This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 206. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and today I am joined by Mr. Jacob Paulson. Hello, sir. Howdy, howdy, howdy. I expected that from my favorite brother from another mother from Wyoming. <laughs> you know, howdy, we get a, us Wyomingites get a bad rap. We, everyone assumes we must be cowboys. And I got to tell you, I don't own any cowboy boots. I don't listen to any country music. But yes, I do love Wyoming. And howdy is an acceptable salutation. You are a disgrace to the state of Wyoming. No cowboy boots, no cowboy hat. That, that does not make me disgraceful. <laughs> Your state logo is a cowboy riding a Bronco. So? Yeah, that's why you moved out of Wyoming. I know. All your, right. <laughs> your state logo is a picture of Wyoming. Bear that in mind. <laughs> the Tetons, man. It's, this is the yeah. pretty side of the Tetons. It's the side that we get to see. But it's still in Wyoming. In the Wyoming. <laughs> keep that in mind. Angel debate. How many times have we talked about this in the podcast? People have got to be sick of it. So anyway, hey, guys, today we have a really cool uh, episode uh, for you. We have Russell Steed, president of Citizen Armor, on with us. Russell, hello, sir. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. We are. It's our pleasure, our honor to have you as part of the uh, show today. Uh, a lot of great content we'll be covering and so uh, this will this be, be a good time. Speaking of which, today's episode is brought to you by Citizen Armor. Is that okay if we make you an unofficial sponsor? Yes. I, I have no problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And we are uh, going to be selling the Citizen Armor products on our website here in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. So that's, that's a pretty exciting partnership also to get kind of off the ground here. And uh, as part of this, uh, we've got Russell on, uh, but we're going to, you know, stay pretty focused on the, the, the hows, the what's, the ifs, uh, whatever it is, you know, involve, you know, we, we're going to dive in the nitty, into the nitty gritty on body armor here today as part of this podcast. Another uh, episode sponsor today is Guardian Nation, guardiannation.com. Go check out Guardian Nation. For those of you that are not already members, just go to the website. It's really easy. See what there is to see. Lots of uh, great stuff for members out there. And uh, because I, we didn't mention it already, Citizen Armor, citizenarmor.com. Got the website right, right? Yeah, yep, citizenarmor.com. We try to keep it simple. Yeah, that's good. That's wise of you. So anyway, without further ado, let's jump into this. And so, Russell, uh, you are, like I said, the, the president of Citizen Armor, uh, yes. a company based in Spanish Fork, Utah. Yes. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself, a little about the company, kind of, you know, how you got started and, and, and your mission in life or whatever it is that you're trying to yeah. achieve. Well, that's great. Yeah, thank you. So uh, basically, I've uh, been working in the uh, ballistics industry for a little while. Um, I got my degree in physics, uh, not thinking that I'd actually use my degree. Ends up, I, I actually did use my degree um, working on the R&D side of ballistics. Um, and then I've worked my way over into Citizen Armor um, and then Basically, I, I, I'm passionate about the business side as well, so I was able to uh, um, end up where I'm at now, being able to bridge the whole business and technology kind of kind of gap, but specific in the ballistic industry. Uh, but Citizen Armor, really, our purpose behind creating and starting Citizen Armor, uh, well, the name kind of gives it off uh, at the beginning. You know, we're we're here to provide armor for civilians. And uh, more than that, we want to give people the ability to protect themselves and their loved ones, um, not just even physically, but also having, you know, the physical preparation and the mental preparation. Uh, we'll be rolling out trainings and things in, in the future courses and, and, and whatnot that uh, I think people really enjoy, uh, especially those that like to learn new things and, and be prepared for those, um, you know, unfortunate, unfortunate situations when, where, when they might need body armor. Um, but anyway, kind of going back, we, we've innovated and created uh, body armor that is um, innovative in the industry, first off, and then as well, we try to create applications that are practical for the everyday person. Seeing as we're civilian-minded, um, giving it to responsible citizens, we want armor that, you know, a tactical vest you're not going to wear all day, every day. It just doesn't make sense. It's not practical. We sell one. We have one. 
you can buy it. But uh, what we actually uh, try to focus on are practical uh, uses of body armor and uh, protective materials. That's so cool, man. Uh, I like your approach to body armor. Uh, Jacob's wearing some right now. In fact, uh, those that are viewing on Facebook uh, live today, uh, you can see that uh, Jacob is wearing, uh, what's that product called again? That's just the, the shield across the, the front of the yeah. chest. So he's wearing a T-shield. Um, we That's named right. it um, the T-shield because it kind of, you can put it under a T-shirt and the guy who kind of created it, his name's Tony. So just a little ode to, <laughs> to Tony's shield. So, uh, but that product is, uh, Part of our ultra concealed line it's meant to go under your shirt um, if i knew we were, i didn't realize we we're doing video today so i would have worn mine as well but uh, <laughs> i figured for audio uh didn't, didn't couldn't see a whole lot but uh yeah see so he's showing it off there and uh really covers your vitals um it's meant to be worn under a shirt if the shirt that i'm wearing now is perfect for for concealing what what jacob's wearing right now yeah so just to you know and i, I realize uh, you know this it's hard to see if you're just tuning into the podcast but I've, I've had this now for about two weeks and it, it does fit under, you know, a standard t-shirt and, and not like, you know, you're tight, like check it out. I go to the gym every day t-shirt, <laughs> yeah. but definitely, you know, if you're wearing a shirt, that has got enough room that probably it, you can carry a concealed firearm, then it probably would conceal uh, the t-shirt, the t-shirt pretty well uh, as well. In fact, I went through the airport, uh, through the TSA security checkpoint with this under a shirt not too long ago. And uh, I mean, didn't, didn't raise any flags and no one, no one noticed. I wore it, you know, on the airplane and people just assume I put on a little muscle, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Two no, things. Not about that. Jacob talks as though he goes to the gym on a regular basis. And number two, <laughs> Matt comments here. Let's see your best runway walk, Jacob, as you model that for oh. us. Oh, yeah. So no, no runway walk uh, is happening here. And um, I've never had a gym membership in my life ever. So uh, just, just to be clear, I was generically about tight t-shirts, not, not suggesting I wear shirts to show that I go to the gym. <laughs> Nice. By the way, Jay says he's he's on a phone pole and listening in. So, folks, Jay is one of our instructors in Florida, but he also uh, works for a telephone company. So he's on a phone pole. He's up there climbing up the pole, listening to the podcast today. So, <laughs> kudos to you, Jay. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> back to so the T Shield product, I think is really cool. Super concealable. The first time I saw it uh, was a, a good friend of ours, Justin, uh, brought some uh, over to a meeting. We had a company meeting and, you know, from the time he walked in, like there, you know, just because I know Justin really well and I've seen him many times and, and whatnot, I, you know, I, I was kind of looking at him. I was like, I think he's wearing something underneath, but definitely if I didn't know Justin, uh, I wouldn't have guessed that he was wearing body armor underneath. Now the T-Shield is just a, a panel across the front pr protecting your vitals from the front. And then it's just sort of like a, a meshy sort of, you know, carrier that, you know, so there's no protection on the sides or back, right? No, there's, there's protection on the back. Oh, is there? Oh, yeah. yeah, so yeah. There's, there's a panel a back plate and a front plate. Turn around, Jacob. Yeah. There we go. Huh, I don't remember I don't remember Justin's having that, but maybe it did and I just forgot because yeah. we yeah. we looked at so many different things. Huh. That's cool. So it, it's pretty interesting because Russell, as I as I've been thinking about this, I think that there's a lot of people out there who they've never even considered body armor versus yeah. use. And, and obviously that's you know probably the, the biggest reason you guys named your company that way. That's why you're you have this mission, this goal. So, so talk a little bit about, you know, what, when you meet somebody at, you know, the, the, the neighborhood Christmas party, like, what do you do? Like, oh, Citizen Armor, they're like, body armor, that's, well, what, why would people even yeah. buy that? Like, you know, what, give us your elevator pitch. Like, why today should someone listening to this podcast consider owning and wearing body armor? That's a great question. So like I mentioned, we, we do practical application of body armor. So it's not necessarily in the law enforcement military sense, even though we have those products as well. Um, really what it kind of comes down to is that we hope that you never have to use our product, you know, but just as, uh, you know, um, you know, fire alarms and things like that, you don't want to have to use them, but they're good to have there. And it's more about the peace of mind behind the product and not that you actually have to use it. Um, and if you do have to use it, it's better to have it than, than not have it. You know what I mean? So it, it kind of comes down, down to that. People buy our product. Uh, it's, it's not a fear-based product. It's, it's a peace of mind 
um, aspect to it. I want to put one in my kids' backpacks because then I know and, and you know teach them how to use it. Let them know that it's there. It's light enough. It's thin enough that that they don't. It doesn't bother them, or it's not you know uh, picking up all all their backpack. But um, but I put you know an, an armor panel, backpack shield in there so that I know that they are protected given that situation. Um, it's a sad world that we live in that it even we even have to consider this. But it, I mean, recent events have even showed that, that it, you know, our schools are not hardened well enough that it's something we have to think about. Um, businesses, a lot of shootings do happen at businesses, even though they're not maybe the, the highly publicized uh, mass shootings. Um, the churches, you know, there, there are lots of locations, you know, malls. Um, here locally, we had a shooting up at a, at a mall, um, you know, a few years back. And I remember it pretty vividly as I was growing up. And so, uh, you know, things like that happen and uh, being able to be protected in that, in that, in that situation um, is one thing, but as well having peace of mind. And, uh, and then if for a lot of your uh, viewers and, and listeners, they probably carry you know, um, carry a gun with them. They have a concealed carry license and, uh, or permit. And they, uh, if you think about it, if you're carrying a gun, you're expecting to, be, if you have to use it, somebody else is going to have a gun, right? So uh, if they have a gun and they're shooting at you, then you're going to want some ballistic protection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, a couple, it's interesting because I think you, you made a really good point, right? That to say, well, body armor is overkill. I don't need that. I mean, you're getting into the exact same argument we could have about carrying a gun, right? Like if someone has accepted the, the idea that I should carry a gun on a regular basis, then to accept the idea that you have body armor, isn't that far stretched. I think it's just that people don't talk about it as much. And and for a lot of people until, until now, I think there was also the inconvenience factor was so significant in terms of the weight, um, the bulk, uh, you know, things like that, that it, it just never really seemed practical and realistic. And we can talk more about that. But one other thing that, that strikes me and is this idea. If you're a shooter, if you're a gun owner, then you, you, you purposefully choose to put yourself in a place where bullets fly around on occasion. It's called a gun range, right? I mean, like Riley, you, you actually taught me this. I remember the first time uh, you and I taught a class together and we showed up and you had on body armor. And I was like, huh, yeah. <laughs> These students, you know, hope none of them shoot me. If they shoot Riley, he's good, but I'm, I'd be in big trouble. So, you know, Riley, like yep. that's a philosophy you have. Yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, like <laughs> I worked in the construction industry for a long time and you talk about PPE, personal protective equipment, right? So in a construction field, it's a hard hat. It's steel toe boots. Uh, it's wearing gloves and maybe a reflective vest, you know, depending on the type of job uh, or, or the uh, work that you're doing, right? And so it's like, I'm at the range. I'm teaching people. I'm teaching people that sometimes are pretty scary <laughs> handling a gun, at least the first time. My PPE is wearing body armor. Yeah, exactly. There, there are lots of applications uh, for body armor. And like I said, we try to make it practical for everyday use as well as give those, you know, tactical uh, vests or, you know, kind of the more duty vests and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's applications everywhere. So here, here's, uh, I'm tangenting warning, Jacob tangent. Um, uh, here's what I'd love to hear. Cause I think uh, one of the biggest things that people don't understand or that is not well understood when we talk about body armor in this industry uh-huh. is the different ratings and what stops what, because when you go shopping, this gets really confusing, right? You're on some website, whether it's, and you guys actually have a really nice guide for this. People could go find it. But, but for those who are listening and watching, um, let's talk through kind of a little bit about, you know, what is three and three A and, you know, level this and yeah. level that. And, you know, what does all that mean? You know, how do people kind of, you know, uh, you know go through that process and, and understand the terminology? Yeah. And this is one point that, like, we have to hit um, that I'm glad we're hitting right yeah. now because, there, there's a lot of uh, miscommunication, miseducation, and lack of uh, education in the industry. Uh, and not necessarily even the body armor industry, but more uh, people that aren't familiar with body armor or armor in general. Uh, they just, they think bulletproof and it stops all bullets. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not, you can't think that way. I was talking to a guy that's out in, um, out in New York talking to people and this mom saying, Hey, yeah, I know I bought this level three, a panel for my kids' backpacks. And uh, I'm like, I'm really happy to get it, whatever. And he says, well, what happens with rifle? Like, have you prepared? Have you thought about that? And she's like, no, this stops everything. 
And she's like, no, level 3A is a high, you know, high caliber or large caliber handgun um, rating. And she's like, no, 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 no. Like, she just didn't understand. But she bought it thinking that it's going to stop everything. So really, that's, this is a great subject to be hitting. Because so you, with the uh, NIJ or the National Institute of Justice, which is the governing body over armor, they, uh, they have uh, five levels. I believe it's uh, level 2A two, three, a three and four. It's kind of a weird numbering system. They're, they actually just came out with a new standard that about two weeks ago that they're, they haven't implemented yet, but it's, they're changing all that. So it's not as confusing. Uh, but for now there are five levels, uh, the, you know, level two, a, you rarely see that just cause it's really small, um, caliber handguns. Um, your more common ones are your level two and your level three, a level two is a 357 mag. And a, and a high velocity nine millimeter. And keep in mind, these the bullets that these are tested to are high velocity over factory uh, factory rounds. So um, here you can see we've got I've got a reloader um, RCDS reloader right here. That when we go and test our product, we're actually loading it hot to make sure we hit those velocities and using the, the exact same bullets that the that the government uses when they test uh, test armor. Make sure we're up to up to up to standard. Um, level 3A, which is also, uh, it's your highest handgun rating. That's, you test with a 44 mag and a 357 SIG, so some pretty big guns. Um, you, you, um, you know, the 357 SIG is a little bit more of a penetrator, but then your 44 mag is just, you know, your Dirty Harry is a really big, uh, massive gun. And not a lot, not a lot of people are carrying those, uh, but, you know, that's, it's the rating that, that, that there is. So um, <clears throat> those are the two that we carry right now, level 2 and level 3A armor. Uh, we're R&Ding level three armor, which is your first set of uh, um, rifle plates. So that's that's rated up to a. It's basically a 308, but it's um, the 7.62 by 51. I think 147 grain. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's the NATO 7.62 round mm -hmm. um, that it's tested to. Plates are a 36 AP round. Um, and so those are your, your five different levels of armor. Uh, we, we carry two right now. We'll be coming out with our level three and four plates, uh, in, in the future. Um, even a three plus plus plate is what, what's kind of called. It's kind of something in the middle that stops a little bit more than your seven, six, two by, uh, by 51. Um, uh, but not quite as crazy as your 30 out six armor. Yeah. That nice. just kind of fire hose. Yeah. I don't know. I can go deeper. I can. Yeah, no, no, that's, I think it's helpful, there, but. but and the other thing to think about is that, you know, a rating system, and this is true in all industries, right? Any industry where yet there's these standards and ratings, whether we're talking about iPro or EarPro or the things like that, you know, you, you have to hit a certain rating, but you really are, you're, you're testing that to, to be kind of better safe than sorry, right? Yeah, exactly. So, it's over-engineered. Right. It's always over-engineered. So, so while, you know, 3A, for example, is engineered to stop all handgun rounds, uh, 44 mag, but man, that's a heavy bullet, and, and 357 SIG, um, that despite that, you know, it, it's, not, it's not impossible or even, I want to say, uncommon uh, to take that out and stop, you know, some rifle rounds. It's just not, you know, it's not, it, it doesn't come with that kind of guarantee or, or, or li liability kind of limit, right? Yeah, so there, there are two points that I want to make. First is um, that there are kind of two aspects to armor. One is stopping the bullet and kind of, I said before, is any idiot can stop the bullet. I mean, you put enough mass there, you, you can stop it. You can see a lot of videos on YouTube of guys that just throw these, you know, panels up against a tree or up against a pumpkin and they shoot it and they think it's the hottest thing since sliced bread, you know, but that's not the testing method. Uh, first off, they're probably using factory rounds. They're probably not getting up to the velocities that the NIJ uses. And uh, it's just definitely, I mean, that stopping the bullet isn't really that hard. What's hard is the trauma on the backside, making sure that that's within standard. So you have 44 millimeters or less um, when you when you test it, like the NFJ tests it. And so 44 millimeters, I mean, it's like 1.76 inches. I might be slightly wrong on that, but it's you know over an inch and a half of depth. That the government says if it if the trauma is less than that, what we call back face deformation. If that's less than 44 millimeters, then you're within standard um, when stopping a bullet. Now, why is that important, Russell? Can you explain that for folks? Yeah. So I, right now I could go back here. I could throw some materials together, super lightweight, super flexible, and it'll stop a 44 mag every time. But I put it on a body and you'll still die. You know, right. if, if it, it'll stop the bullet, but it's just going to kind of 
thread right in and I mean, it caught the bullet, right? But it's, it really, the, the trauma is what's important because yep. um, I think, and I, I don't know where the statistic came from, but one thing that guys in the industry use is, um, I think it's like 20% of people that are still shot wearing body armor and it stops the bullet still die just because of the trauma on the backside. Um, so it really is, uh, important that you get spec armor, um, you know, armor that's really tested to the standard and two more points on this. One is, um, body armor, the ratings and tests are all done for kind of more of a duty vest style for law enforcement because that's the standard is made for law enforcement kind of in mind. Right. Uh, when you're talking about backpack inserts and, uh, and uh, even the T-Shield product, it's a little bit different than what's on the standard because it doesn't really develop that. And so just, you, you really have to be careful when you're out there. I mean, go, if you're interested in armor, you feel like you need it, go out there and get some. It doesn't have to be ours, but I, being in the industry, you know, working with a lot of people in the industry and knowing kind of the ins and outs of testing specifically, I've gone to people's websites of companies and they put up testing results and like, really kind of those test results worry me because I can see they're right on the fringe. They tested the lower threat. They say it's three, a compliant, but really if I shot it with a 44 mag, it would fail the test. And they're only putting three rounds into it instead of six. And they're not doing the full 56 panels that you do in an NIJ cert. So body armor, sadly, there's a lot of wording out there that people use that say, you know, NIJ compliant, NIJ, NIJ certified is the, the correct term. But when you're talking about a backpack insert, and I just got an email the other day from the NIJ saying, we don't, in, we don't and we can't certify backpack inserts. So do not be making claims that these backpack inserts are certified. I can make the claim that it's up to standard. Um, and, and so you got to be wary of, of other companies out there that uh, with citizen armor, we make sure that we provide the highest quality, you know, that we're up to standard, we're up to, you know, industry standard plus some, right. Um, that we're high performing, good armor. Um, sadly there aren't, not everybody in this industry does that. Mm. Yeah. So did I hear that correctly? Cause I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I've not looked into it that Closely, I'm I'm loosely familiar with NIJ standards, certifications, yeah. et cetera. You know, I know what the different levels mean and so forth. But to get certification, you have to have the NIJ test 56 panels, yeah. fire, firing at them six times each, each panel, and yeah. no more than uh, 44 millimeters def- back face deformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or BFD is kind of the quick term. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. That's, that's basically a lot of panels, dude. I can go really deep into the you know the specifics of it. Yeah. Um, our level three A armor, we've gone through the the the, the full test twice. <laughs> um, just you know, um, actually, we technically um, and maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but we we technically failed due to construction because we had a sticker that went on the wrong side. Ballistically, hundred percent fine. We had a sticker that went on the wrong side, so we had to do it a second time. And that obviously was like the fourth to last panel to be tested. And uh, it were just like, I see. crap, you know, but we did it again. So passed. the panel itself had nothing wrong. But no, I panel know, was fine. But I, but I was aware that, yes, labels and things have to be properly yeah, applied. Be right. And, uh, and that's yeah. totally, like, we understand, we get it. Uh, we've, you know, the, the, the process that we had to mix that up, we fixed and so it was good for us that that happened. Uh, it was a very expensive mistake for us, but yeah. but I mean, we'd rather that happen and, and know that we're up to spec. And they even shot it backwards, and it still I mean, it performed great. It was just yeah. the sticker was on the wrong side of the panel. And um, yeah, and I say that just to kind of show that like we've gone through these tests. We we're very familiar with it. And we try to put out a product that that uh, is is going to protect people. We're not here to make money. We're here to help people protect themselves and their loved ones. That's, that's nice. Very yeah, cool. That's really, that's really important. And so, I mean, if, if you had to give advice to the consumer, let's, let's pretend citizen armor.com uh, is not there. Right. And, and so, you know, to go back however many years before you guys started this company and someone said, Hey, how do I, you know, how do I know if these, you know, when I'm on some website and it says that it's compliant or certified or whatever, like, how do I know if it's true? Like, how do what, how does the consumer make sure that they're not getting duped on that? Uh, That's a great question. So 
it's kind of tricky to be honest uh, because what they present to you is all you're really going to have. Um, and then setting up a facility to actually do the test is expensive to send it into the independent testing labs is also expensive. So, uh, I mean, it's kind of tricky, but at the same time, there, there's some things that you want to look out for. Um, you know, for example, um, making, you know, tall claims if they're putting out these test results, but really, and you kind of have to be somewhat familiar with, with, the tests and kind of that 44 millimeters is the max. And if they put up a test result, that's like 43.9, then I'd be like, you know, like I probably wouldn't wear that. Um, or, uh, if here, here's one little one that I've seen a lot. Um, and I mean, here and there, it's not like super all over the place, but, um, for the level three, a test, I mentioned it's a 357 SIG and a 44 mag that they test it with. So you have your lower threat and your higher threat. The 44 is high, 357 SIG is low. Um, to be NIJ multi-threat, um, certified, you have to shoot both, uh, both of those calibers, you know, multiple times, a ton of, tons of different panels. Um, and, I've seen it where companies have put up one test result of a 357 SIG. So let's say uh, the back face deformation on a 44 mag is 42 millimeters um, average, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you're under the 44, you're still within spec. And then your 357 SIG by default is probably going to be mid 30s, just throwing kind of it out there. Sure. Um, depending, it obviously depends on the armor, but it's going to be lower than your 44 mag. But then if they put up a test result that says three, this level 3A compliant armor says 357 SIG, here are our test results, 357 SIG, three shots, and the average BFD on those three shots are 43, 42, I would be concerned that a 44 mag actually isn't, um, would not pass the test. Uh, because obviously it's going to be probably higher 40s uh, when you when you actually run that yeah. test. So that's one thing that I've seen where you could you technically could still say it, it complies with you know the lower threat or a single threat. Yeah. Test it does. I give them that, but they just kind of use that in a, an interesting way. Sure, and and the NIJ is not out there policing people, you know, checking their websites and saying, "Hey, you you say that you know that you're you meet the standard, but we haven't tested your you know stuff." We're not. So, I mean, that that's the problem is that yeah. people will make claims whether they've really gone through the process or not. Yeah, and yeah, you gotta gotta keep keep an eye out for that. Um, and sadly, I mean, the, the NIJ is there for law enforcement specifically. Um, other agencies, military, they kind of have their own testing, but they still like the NIJ testing to see it done. Um, but it's specific for law enforcement. And so they don't, if it doesn't deal with law enforcement, they don't, they, yeah. I mean, they, 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 they will do everything they can to make sure armor is correct and good and, and, and proper and to spec, but it's, it's up to the manufacturer to make sure those things get tested. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So let's shift gears a little bit here. Okay. Let's talk about some laws, okay? Because I know yeah. one question that comes up, we get emails to our to our company all the time at concealedcarry.com, people asking, you know, uh, can I get body armor, right? So yeah. can you review for us, uh, what, are, what are some of the basic laws regarding body armor in a general sense? Well, first off, a lot of people don't realize that body armor is legal for civilians to buy and wear. Yep. I mean, it, is, it is legal. Um, first off, a lot of people think that it isn't. So that's the first step right there. Uh, it is not legal for felons to possess body armor. That yeah, is one, her, uh, one law. U.S. Uh, code uh, Title 18. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And so that, if, if, a, if a felon is caught wearing or in possession of body armor, that's big no-no. That's bad for them. Um, and uh, it's on you know the the, the person uh, or the, on the felon. So uh, we could we could say that if you can if you can have a gun, you can have body armor. Yeah, if you have a gun, yeah, if you can buy a gun, you can buy body armor. Um, and a lot of times, uh, with some sales, we'll actually do a background check. And um, you know, through online, it makes it a little trickier. We were not able to do that, but we we we'd like to you know we have check boxes and make sure that people know that if you're a felon, you cannot be buying this this product. Um, and then another basic, this is kind of weird, Connecticut 
you can't buy body armor online. It has to be a face-to-face transaction. Um, We actually had a a listener here, John, asking that. Will they sell to me? He's asking if you guys will sell to him in Connecticut or do I have to get it from my FFL dealer? So it doesn't technically have to be an FFL dealer, but it has to be a face-to-face interaction. So um, we have talked to a few dealers out there. Um, I haven't signed any of them up as you know a dealer where i could um send them product and they could actually do a face-to-face transaction you guys um i have sold to people in connecticut oh yes and no i haven't sold to anybody in connecticut but um we, we actually take the option off on our website just because we can't ship there it has to be face-to-face so sure. if people yeah. have questions if people have questions about that and want to figure out how we can work with them um then you know email us um you can email me russell at citizenarmor.com they can email you guys and you can we can work together and, and, and figure that out um, yeah. but all within the law making sure everything's good but the, but this is a really important thing because I, I know that for some people if you're listening right now like oh it sounds like sounds like buying a gun well there's there's a huge and distinctive difference here and that is that there's no required background check no. Uh, it might be that some dealers choose to administer one in order to, to to make sure they're not selling it to a felon or whatever, but there's no legally required background check. It's just that, hey, felons are not allowed to buy it or possess it, but but there's no uh, burden on the buyer or the seller to ensure a background check takes place. It's it's more of a, you know, faith, you know, court of honor kind of kind of deal in the eyes of the law, right. correct? Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's on, especially it's on the felon to, to, to know that, um, assuming that they're trying to not cross paths with the law, with the law again. Uh, but, uh, can you tell me anything about anything unique about Louisiana? I'm, 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 I'm going to test your knowledge here, uh, Russell, because I learned something just this morning and doing some research that I did not know before. And it was kind of eye opening to me. Anything oh, unique about Louisiana? You know what? I, I'm not pulling up anything. I'm not thinking of anything. You might be teaching me something. Jacob, <laughs> anything? Anything? Um, I don't know if I can Google it faster than you. Yeah, here, let me okay. Google it. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. According to Louisiana Revised Statute, Title 14, 95.9, wearing or possessing body armor by a student or non-student on school property at school-sponsored functions or in firearm-free zones is the title of it. And essentially what it says is wearing body armor, anybody in a school zone, in a fire free firearm free zone, a school sponsored function on school transportation, or even within a thousand feet of a school campus is against the law. Really? Okay. So there is a restriction in Louisiana about where you can have it, but nothing about your ability to purchase or own it. That's right. And I wasn't, I wasn't familiar with that. And I'll bet a lot of people with, aren't. Yeah, it goes as well with concealed carry laws. Every state's a little bit different. You got to really know what your state, how, what, what the date or what the details are there. I'm sure. throwing it up here. I'm, I'm showing on the screen here, right, right here. Louisiana Revised Statute 14, 95.9. I was, I really had to dig to find that. Okay, I just happened to stumble across it, and I was like, holy crap! Now, get this. We just had this this horrendous school shooting. I know parents that are talking about putting body armor in their kids' backpacks or or having something be available for their kids to use in the event that there was some kind of incident at their school. You can't even do that in Louisiana. How ridiculous is that? That is that's pretty crazy. I was well, it'd be interesting too, like because to, like the the inserts that Russell that you guys have, you know, that are becoming very very popular now that you can stick into a backpack. You know, it, it'd be interesting to go to a court and argue that that's not body armor, that it's a it's a it's a insert or a shield or something. You know, I don't know because it doesn't it's not worn on the body, right? And so, technically, you would look at it as probably a protective material. Wearing yeah. or possessing body armor. It's not body armor, right? Yes, I'm it not, is. Not, oh, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that <laughs> that, that yet might be sorted out. Like that, it would be interesting to see if there's any court precedents that define the word body armor in Louisiana law, because that you know they're making an inference there that may or may not pan out in a courtroom. Yeah. Get this. Further down in this uh, statute, school officials shall notify all students and parents of the impact of this legislation and shall post notices of the impact of this section at each major point of entry to the school. These oh, notices weird. shall be maintained as permanent notices. So any, any, any yeah. listeners from Louisiana, do you see notices at your schools saying that you can't have body armor on 
or near or within a thousand feet of your school. And by the way, it defines schools as any, so it's not just private or public, any elementary, secondary, high school, vocational, technical school, college, or university in this state. So it covers any educational institution in the state of Louisiana. So like I said, I really had to dig. I just sort of stumbled upon that doing a little research and I was, I mean, like mind blown. That's crazy. I intend to contact some legislators there in the state of Louisiana and say, you guys should fix this and you should fix it fast because this is a joke. I mean, at the very least, if we can't come to agreement on what to do with gun control, gun-free zones, arming teachers, whatever that is, at the very least, students and teachers and, and parents and people on school campuses ought to have wearing body armor at least be an option. Well, here, here's what I think is crazy. And Russell, you can talk a little bit more about this on the educational side, but it, perhaps there's this belief um, that, you know, if, if, if the BG, that's Jacob talk for bad guy, bad gal, if the BG is wearing body armor and, uh, you know, law enforcement show up on scene and shoot the BG, do, maybe the consumer, the idiots who pass this kind of a law, they might believe that the bullets just like bounce off, like just boop, boop, and the, and the BG just keeps walking along like, no, I'm good, you know, like RoboCop yeah. style. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that there's perhaps a misunderstanding about what body armor does. Probably not too unsimilar you know, to those legislatures who think that suppressors make guns silent. <laughs> yeah, so um, kind of going back to what I was talking about, how there are two aspects to the ballistics part stopping the bullet and then the trauma behind it. You're still with a lot of body armor, um, even hard plates, there is back face deformation. That's going to hurt. Doesn't, it's not something that just like bounces off of you. Now, granted some calibers kind of do that with different levels of armor, but, uh, for the most part, you're going to feel it. And, uh, even with body armor on, it's, uh, bet they can stop the guy, um, at least slow him down. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, he may he may survive it because of the body armor, but he he's probably not going to continue his assault. Yeah, it, it's it's going to have a significant impact on yeah. that threat, and and so I think you know I, I hear legislation like that, Riley, and in my mind I'm like, okay, clearly there's a misunderstanding here because that that was written to support taking down BGs or preventing BGs from having body armor, which is already inherently ridiculous and stupid because why would they care um, what the law says? But yeah. More, more to you know. To That's my point, what I was going to say. Yeah, more, more to you know. Kind of the understanding. If they have a gun. You're not allowed to have a gun there usually. Right, right. Like they oh, do I guess anyway. the sign on the school says I can't have body armor. So, um, yeah. Anyway, I, I just think that inherently there's so many you know points of confusion there uh, that that people are a little bit lost on it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of uh, great comments here on Facebook. Uh, you know, some questions. Oh, David says, so many of my questions are answered here. Thank you. And and I'm glad that that's the case, David. That's why we do these sorts of things. And we're so thankful to have Russell be a part of this. Uh, anyway, I mean, Russell, you're off the hook, buddy, because I, I didn't necessarily expect you to know about that. I, I really think of that as obscure law. We have yeah, Matt, who, Matt has commented and says that he lives in Louisiana and he's never seen anything like that posted anywhere. He had no idea about this law. Do we know dates on when that was passed? Uh, two, I, th- I saw that somewhere 2008. 2008, interesting. And, and I wonder I did what the story behind that is, why they did that. Right, and I did not find, I, I did a little bit of searching too, to, well, did they repeal this at some point? I, I couldn't find anything suggesting it had been overturned. I mean, and this this came right from Louisiana's, uh, their, their state government website where their statutes are posted. Crazy stuff. Yep. Um, Russell, let's talk a little bit about um, evolution. So I think a lot of people that are probably listening to this, and I know we talked about the T-shield and the thin material and how light this thing is. Like, it's crazy light. Like, it's awkward how light it is. But let's talk a little bit about materials because I think the last decade or so has had a significant impact on uh, the body armor industry in terms of the technology and the advances and what we've done with with different kinds of materials. So can you talk through some of like, you know, how that evolution has taken place in the ballistics realm? Yeah. So, I mean, you look back, uh, you know, 
medieval times they're wearing uh no, do you want to go that far back sure yeah dude okay. let's do it <laughs> no, I'm yeah. just kidding. jousting uh, <laughs> jousting <laughs> so it all started with jousting um well, citizen yeah. armor is 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 this stuff rated for jousting <laughs> is it jousting rated <laughs> depends what you're jousting with Riley. i'm gonna go check really quick i'll be right back <laughs> that's good um yeah so anyway then kind of the, the history behind ballistics or, or you know ballistic materials most common term when you're talking about bulletproof material is kevlar people all know they, they call bulletproof material kevlar even though it's a lot of it's not uh, but it's an inanimate fiber. Kevlar is just, you know, the tissue name for the um, Kleenex or whatever you want to call it. Sure. The industry. Um, so anyway, in the past probably 15, 20 years, I mean, the, the body arm industry has actually made some pretty good strides, even using technology that it seemed that is kind of old. Kevlar has been around for a while. Um, but uh, it's actually made some really good strides, I think, in the past uh, 10, 15, 20 years that uh, has really reduced the thickness, the weight, uh, the flexibility of, uh, of body armor, making it a lot more comfortable for, you know, our military guys, our law enforcement guys, uh, you know, no longer do uh, military guys have to wear these heavy, you know, 20 pound uh, steel plates for a level four, level three, they, we've got, you know, different materials out there that we can use and we figured out, you know, if we, you know, hybridize this, then we can, you know, hit these price points and still have a really lightweight piece of armor or, you know, price isn't an issue. We can make a super lightweight, you know, three a pound plate. Um, anyway, so that's actually kind of the, some of the stuff that we're R&D right now is, you know, hybridizing different materials that, that are out there and seeing how we can kind of make them um, synergize and go together and, and make something lighter than, than a lot of the competitors. Um, so I'm kind of going off, I think, in a, a few different ways, but... Um, what we've done here at Citizen Armor uh, is kind of focus on the different tiers. So right now we have, like I said, the two levels of armor, level two and level three A, and we only have one type of armor that we sell in that for now. Um, I'm pretty excited about some of these. Uh, um, I'm pretty excited about uh, some of these new uh, packages that we're going to be coming out with in the next probably month or two that kind of hit. Right now, we sell a very premium product, a very uh, high-end um, piece of armor that uses that uses nanotechnology. Actually, uh, we're one of the only companies in the industry that's uh, that uses uh, nanotechnology in their armor, uh, along with other materials, kind of as a synergy to make a good lightweight uh, piece of armor. Um, but we're going to be coming out with some other pieces that uh, you know are for the more budget-conscious that still stack up to uh, the, the standards. Um, you know, it might be a little bit thicker, a little bit heavier, not quite as flexible. Um, and then all the way up to a really, I've got one piece of armor back here that I'm really excited about. Very lightweight, very, very flexible. Probably some of the most flexible armor I have touched myself. And that will be coming out as well. Obviously, it's higher materials, higher end materials, more expensive. So it's going to be on that higher um, price point. But we really want to make it so that people can have the protection they need uh, that meet the standard, meet spec, and, you know, that, that hit, you know, the bit, you know, good, better, best, you know, the, 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 the point of, you know, budget conscious to, I don't care how much it costs, I need the good stuff or, you know, the most flexible, lightweight mm-hmm. stuff. So, um, and that's only really become very um, possible. How long was it? How long ago was it? I think it was in 2013 or 12 that there was kind of a um, some new materials that hit the market that really made it so that you could get a sub one pound aerial density vest pretty easily whereas before that i mean all of your vests were heavier than one pound per square foot like you really couldn't get below that i believe it was 2013 that that happened Mm -hmm. Uh, that you know new materials are always being made and created and that's what we try to do here we try to be on kind of the cutting edge of the materials that are available in the industry as well as manufacturing our own like i said using this nanotechnology armor that we're just scratching the surface where we can go there um there's a lot of potential using carbon nanotubes graphene and and, uh, carbon nanofibers and other uh, nanomaterials to be able to make stronger better armor yeah great time yeah, yeah, that's right. I heard, I heard the the bell back there. Oh, you did. Yeah. <laughs> the the sweatshop cool, in the back there. 
yeah, you got to get those guys. <laughs> That's <laughs> the doorbell. So, yeah, uh, and I, I've been to your facility. It's a beautiful facility. You guys have so much you know, wonderful things going on there. And, and obviously, you have some amazing proprietary technologies. So you guys keep that under good lock and key. Um, but I think, you know, this is a really important conversation because I, I do think that a lot of people, they think body armor, they think big, heavy steel plates. Yeah. Yeah. Right. A lot of people have probably bought some sort of vest or tactical vest and it's got these little slots that says insert, you know, plate here. And they're like, crap, like if I want to go buy those things and stick them in here. And I think it's really, really important for, for you guys who are listening to this to understand that you, you're going to get what you pay for to some degree. Right now, the industry has evolved to a point where there's amazing things out there that are lighter, that are more flexible, that are more comfortable, but they cost more. Uh, because the, the materials and the processes required to manufacture them. And so, you, you know, you can go out and you can get some, you know, some, some vest out there that's 3A approved for probably $250, $300, but it's not going to be very comfortable. It's not going to be very lightweight. And, and so that's, that's really what this comes down to is kind of being an informed buyer. Yeah, exactly. There's, I've seen some things online where I'm like, wow, they're, how do they – sell it for that cheap. And it kind of worries me how cheap it is, to be honest. Um, body armor is definitely one of those things that you don't want to skimp on because it's a life-saving product. Um, you know, I like buying nice guns because, you know, you know, partially because they're more cool, but, uh, you know, you know that you can rely on them. You know that you can, every time you pull it out, you're good. Um, as opposed to, you know, other brands and other things that might be cheaper. You're kind of skipping on some, some quality control there that, that might be important. And so same thing with, with body armor that um, you kind of get what you pay for. Uh, it's, it's, it's a give and take. You can have kind of heavier, thicker, uh, less flexible armor for cheaper, or you can have really flexible, really nice, lightweight stuff, high end stuff if you pay for it. And, um, really kind of what I'm trying to do with Citizen Armor and what we're going to be rolling out in the coming months. Uh, so you'll have to kind of keep an eye out for it, but you know, the, you know, the, the, the lower cost solutions that still meet standard. I mean, that's our big thing. We want people to protect themselves and their loved ones and not have to have that peace of mind and not have to worry, is this really going to stop a bullet? You know? And so um, that's one thing I can speak to is that Citizen Armor, we will, we will always put out a product, a life-saving product that we can stand behind. Um, literally stand literally. behind. I like that. <laughs> I like that. I didn't even, didn't mean to do that. Uh, you can coin that phrase. That, that could be your, your, your new company motto or something. Yeah. Armor you can stand behind. Literally. Literally. So I think this is, this is, this is a good thought. And you know, I, I know sometimes when we have this conversation with people or people ask me about body armor, they say, well, that sounds a little expensive, but you know, a good piece of body armor is about the cost of a gun. That's how I like to think of it. You know, yeah. a lot of us, we buy lots of guns. Uh, a lot of people with this podcast probably buy guns pretty fairly regularly, maybe once a year or something like that. You know, instead of buying your next gun, go buy body armor, right? I mean, that, that's how I think of it. And it, the other nice thing about body armor is if you get something that's really nice and really high quality, it should last you forever. Mm. doesn't yes, last as long as a gun. That's a good question. Um, depends on soft armor versus hard armor. So ah, hard so armor can, can last longer. Um, and then if you're using just Kevlar uh, or Aramid based products, usually it's a five year um, shelf life. And that's what uh, manufacturers warranty it to. Um, granted, I've shot older armor and it stops bullets, but it's just, you know, within the warranty period of five years. Um, our armor that we sell now currently called Nanoprotec, that armor we've certified for seven. So it's not very common in the, uh, in the soft arm industry to certify it for more than five years. We've done a seven-year accelerated aging test, and the results on that were actually better than our five-year and almost as good as our new stuff. So, uh, so anyway, so yeah, it does have a lifespan, uh, and I, I wouldn't say, you know, go outside of that warranty, but just experience that half-shot old armor. And, uh, you know, steel plates, you, a lot of warranties go up 20 plus years. So, um, yeah, it, it just kind of depends on the product and, uh, really just making sure, you know, the, the lower end stuff probably isn't going to last as long as your nicer stuff, just to throw it out there. So, yeah. That's, that's news to me. I didn't know that. Maybe it's cause yeah. I come from the old steel, you know, yeah, steel plates. Yeah. yeah that, that's going to last for a long time. So that's good to know. And that, that makes sense. Uh, I can see my tax dollars getting spent on that and all the law enforcement agencies to you know, re-up that stuff. Um, but oh, yeah. to your point, it, 
we don't know uh, you're, in the case of your products. What I'm hearing, Russell, is that you don't really know what its lifespan is. What you know is that you're you'll warranty it for seven years. Yeah, we warranty our nano protect for seven years. Granted, some of the the armor that we're coming out with will have that five year uh, warranty on it as well. Uh, but our nano protect has a seven year. It's waterproof. Funny thing, um, a lot of armor is not waterproof, so you get it wet and the bullet will go through. Um, really easily just blaze right through. So our nano protect is waterproof. And like I said, we're coming out with some products that, that will be more aramid based and it will um, kind of be along those same lines. You got to make sure you don't soak it in water, but for the most part we put it, or we, we do put a, uh, a uh, waterproof covering over it to make sure that it lasts as long as you can or as long as I possibly can. So. That's a great insight. The idea of uh, you know, the water issue. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's really important. And, and not just not just because it's like, well, hopefully I won't be underwater getting shot at. No, it's like you're buying something as an investment. You want it to last a long time. Mm-hmm. And so you never know what might happen if it gets wet and you're like, oh crap, I guess I better throw this away and buy a new one. That's That's not a good position to be in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. good thoughts there. Uh, Matthew asks, as a former cop, I know the importance of proper fit and wear. Can you cover this for some of the listeners? Yeah, exactly. So body armor is not like normal clothing. Um, it's not going to be comfortable. It's going to kind of right up high. So you actually do want to cover, uh, right about here on your sternum all the way down to your belly button is more or less where we try to make sure that hits because you want to be able to cover all of your vitals, your heart, lung, and liver. Uh, and then, you know, for law enforcement, the fit is actually very important, uh, you know, making sure that it kind of comes down. You don't want it to be too narrow because, you know, they go in a shooting stance and then the armor, obviously you want it to cover as much as possible. You want it to go all the way out there, but you can't, you can't go in a shooting stance if, if the armor is too wide or too stiff or whatever. So you kind of have to hit that, uh, um, that uh, sweet spot. Sweet spot. Thank you. <laughs> that sweet spot right. of how thick or how wide it goes. And then it kind of comes down. The more coverage you can get, the better, um, I would say. But uh, for Obviously. law enforcement, for law enforcement specifically, but you also have to take into account their their duty belts kind of, I mean, they're pretty thick. They got a lot of stuff on it. Um, so when they sit down, they, the, the armor could come like right up here if it's too low. So you have to get that, that, good, that good fit. Um, and then you also want to make sure that it's nice and snug against the body. Um, we're undoing some stuff that actually keeps the armor a little bit away from the body. It's kind of interesting stuff, a little bit more comfortable to wear. We'll see where that goes. Um, but then making sure that the, you know, the sides come up and, and, and fit together, uh, properly. So we do have some partners that we work with on law enforcement, military applications, um, specifically for, you know, they, they have certain demands that, you know, uh, that, that we need to make sure we cover. And, um, and so whenever we have, you know, law enforcement individuals, we, we can either give them a discount or we can send them over to our, our partners and then have them uh, take it from there. Yeah. Awesome. That's good stuff. So make sure you're trying to cover from your sternum, basically the notch. Yeah. Your, yeah. Right there. And then down your belly button. Um, I, I, so I, I'm just going to point out that you, you have a competitor that uh, you have many competitors, of course, but uh, I'm not going to name names because uh, I don't think that's fair. Uh, but you probably would, you might, you may know who I'm talking about. That is very aggressively priced. And they have put their stuff out there. They're, 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 they're starting to show up in a lot of places, uh, probably because they're very, very aggressively priced. I've seen some tests done with their, their armor, and it seems like it performs as advertised, as it should. Uh, but I have a couple big-time um, uh, issues with it because two things. Even just as a civilian wanting you know, to wear it, it doesn't have any sort of cut for those arms. So you go to extend or do anything, you know, shoot, whatever. And you're like, Oh, that does not feel very, it doesn't feel comfortable. And secondly, there was no side protection. Yeah. I think they've come out with some other products that, that offers that. Um, but for me, I was looking at it from like a, well, maybe this will be a backup vest for, for, for me to use on duty as an LEO. Uh, it was a terrible choice for that. Uh, you know, <laughs> so anyway, choose wisely. Uh, don't buy crap or cheap stuff and uh, make sure it fits properly. Yeah, so I'm going to, I'm going to try to be a little bit vague, but Riley, is this the same company that thought it would be a cool idea to sell bulletproof hats? Well, that's a pretty cool idea. 
right? <laughs> so it's only bulletproof, like right here, yeah, on your phone. Oh, really? Well, that's 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 critical, dude. That you know, I mean, you don't want to be bouncing bullets off your cranium, man. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, uh, Forty-four million. Those hats a lot more serious in your, those, in your forehead. Those yeah. hats are not comfortable to wear. No, <laughs> really. You're just gonna put a steel plate in a ball cap. You know, that's basically what it feels like. <laughs> uh, that's interesting um yeah so one thing that we try to do it's the design armor and i've already mentioned this but just to kind of hit it again we try to make it practical uh for people yeah. to wear uh so specifically for the civilian use so yeah as a as a leo they they have different needs and and, and definitely they need as much protection as possible citizens um i you know um, i kind of have this philosophy with the guns that i carry uh in my daily carry I'd rather have something that I know I'm going to carry every day than something huge, like something like over the top, like, you know, that, that I, you know, show off be like, yeah, this is the gun that I carry. You know what I mean? So I'd rather have armor that I actually wear than armor that I buy and just put in my closet. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the T shield is a good, I mean, it doesn't have side protection and that's one thing right. that for me, you know, I, I could do without side protection knowing that I'll actually wear it than going with a, our civvy product, which is our, it's similar to a duty vest for an officer. Um, that is, you know, front, back, side protection. Um, I, I wouldn't wear that every day. Yeah. And I know officers, they get used to it, but they, if they, if they could have, you know, really kind of comes down to in the industry, law enforcement, everybody kind of just wants a force field, right? <laughs> that would be the <laughs> ideal shield uh, and bulletproof armor. But I mean, it's not that way. So. Yeah. You know, having those side panels is, I, I do think is critical, right? Yeah. But you'd be amazed how often cops get shot just above those side panels. I mean, because you can't have them go up too high because uh, then it really obstructs your movement and comfort and all that stuff. And I mean, you, you just are more, people are, you are more vulnerable than you realize at times, uh, particularly if you're in the role as a law enforcement officer. Yeah. But uh, hey, real quick, I mean, we're getting kind of close to that point in time. It's time to start wrapping it up. But could you explain a little bit more for us? Because you've you've touched on it a little bit, uh, you know your uh, nano uh, the the Protec uh, armor, right? So it's a carbon nanotubes. Is that right? That's that's a part of the manufacturing of that uh, ballistic material. Can you explain what that is a little bit more and what that yeah. means and why that's why that's a good thing or or whatever? Yeah. So it's a good question. Um, so carbon nanotubes are, it's a kind of a new thing, more or less. I mean, it was, they were discovered or, or really began research about 25, 26 years ago. Um, so it's kind of this new thing that the, the researchers, universities all over the country, all over the world are, are looking at carbon nanotubes because they, uh, they're extremely strong. They're strong, stronger than steel, stronger than carbon. You're actually, the structure is stronger than a diamond. Uh, you know, really in crazy strong uh, tensile strength with, with these carbon nanotubes. So basically it's Hold just on real carbon. quick, yeah. um, Russell, because I, I think your connection may have dropped out just temporarily. And I, oh, I, I want to make sure people hear what you just said, because I think it was important. So if you could, so the carbon nan nanotubes you said is, is as strong as something. I think I heard oh, okay. diamond in there or something. Yeah. So, I mean, carbon, diamonds are made from carbon. So, uh, basically carbon nanotubes are stronger than diamonds. They conduct electricity almost as good as gold. Uh, they're a very lightweight, uh, very strong material. And so universities all over the country are, are doing uh, research on carbon nanotubes, using it as a, uh, uh, for nanoelectronics. Um, they use it for strengthening materials and epoxies and different resins. Uh, there are universities doing research, uh, kind of in aerospace, how they can apply um, carbon nanotubes there. Um, I know they're also using it as a delivery for, I think, chemotherapy uh, or um, different, mm. basically, to, to help deliver uh, radiation or, or whatever um, uh, medical things they do to the infected or the, the cancerous area in a body. So carbon nanotubes have tons of uh, applications. And in my opinion, it's the material of the future. Um, we're just kind of starting to figure out how we can use it in a lot of different industries. We're just figuring out how we can use it in body armor um, and armor in general. And it, we're just scratching the surface. Like I mentioned earlier, we're scratching the surface. We're continuing R and D. Uh, we're going to be pushing forward and trying to figure out how we can incorporate um, carbon nanotubes and 
hey, you know, someday they could very well could be a, an aspect or a part of a material that just totally revolutionizes the, the industry. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of just little practical things we've seen, like uh, you know, bikes. I know a lot of my friends who are big into bikes, you know, the new carbon uh, carbon fiber and nanocarbon technology has made you know, these new fancy lightweight bikes. And we've also seen an application in firearms, especially with rifles and like handrails and, and things like that, uh, uh, head guards or you know, things like that. We've, we've seen a lot of now carbon fiber, you know, nano stuff uh, on the gun side too. So yeah. super fancy. Sounds really smart to me. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, Russell, we thank you for your time today, man. This has uh, been uh, educational, informational, uh, enlightening. And uh, so, folks, I would encourage you to go check out Citizen Armor. That is citizenarmor.com. You can see uh, their their online store, by the way, grows, I swear, by the week. Uh, it seems like every time I go to your site, there's there's more products that have been added. I mean, I, I actually didn't know that you have all these like biker vests and stuff now too. Yeah. Yeah. We're kind of coming out with some of those and we've had a lot of interest in them, which is, which is pretty cool. And so, um, and, and we're, we're still a small company and uh, I get people emailing me like, Hey, could you do this? Hey, could you do that? And as not all the time, can we just do the, the custom whatever? But, um, but if people really are interested and there's a market for it, we, we love to, to work with people and, and kind of make their ideas come to life. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Good stuff. So check them out, give them some love. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty confident for, that based on this episode though, Russell, there's going to be some people that are interested in checking you guys out and purchasing right. some, some body armor. Like you said, many people don't even realize that it's something that is totally legal for them to possess, totally legal for them to, to be able to buy, provided they're not felons and uh provided they're not i guess wearing it within a thousand feet of a school in louisiana <laughs> but uh uh yeah definitely this this has been great a lot of interest i'm sure will be generated because of this so here's my own little pitch guys um there's a comment here from someone you know kind of t- t- saying well this stuff's not it's not that cheap right and it's like you know what i've had body armor for years now i actually had some body armor before i got into law enforcement uh, because it, it was kind of like, why not? Like, I mean, we buy guns like a bunch of crazy people every day in this country. I mean, number one, we like them. Number two, they're fun. Number three, they do serve a purpose, whether it's hunting or, uh, or just for fun or it's for self-defense, right? So we, we buy guns by the thousands and the millions here in this country. And I think a lot of people carry their gun thinking it's like this magic talisman that's going to create this bubble around them that, Hey, I'm, I'm carrying my gun now. I'm, you know, I'm protected, you know, nothing can stop me. And yet they're a little bit hesitant to invest in something that actually will stop bullets from penetrating their vitals. I mean, so that's my pitch guys. Uh, if you don't have some body armor, why not? Yeah. Okay. Go pick some up. Like Jacob said earlier in the episode, it's like the cost of a, of a new quality gun. So go pick some up, give it a shot, wear it around where appropriate. You can wear this in places where you can't take your gun. Okay. When you're in those public places where you're like, oh, I can't take my gun there. I know some of you crazies out there will say, oh, they don't know what they don't know. I'm still going to carry my gun. We, we don't advocate for that here at concealedcarry.com because we believe in following the law. And there's been many times I've had to attend events and different things in places where I couldn't take a gun. And I have worn body armor as another tool. It's another tool. Uh, maybe a knife is another tool. Maybe a, a, a tactical pen is another one of those tools. There's all kinds of tools and body armor is one of those tools. And it just makes sense to me for people to have this be in their, their toolbox. Okay. So. And the- and to speak really quick to the the price point, like I said, we're, right now we sell a very high end, nice uh, product, comfortable, Quality, comfortable, and uh, really kind of what what we're working on are the more budget conscious uh, solutions. And looking the next couple months, those will be coming out. It's awesome, man! And yeah, we wish you all the best with that. I was with everything. Gonna, I was going to add simply that um, I've been I've been to the Citizen Armor facility. They have a beautiful, gorgeous building with lots of room, 
uh, for expansion, uh, which they have planned and slated out. It's a wonderful organization, wonderful people. And, and we've spent some time here as a company talking about, you know, who should we do business with on this end? Because obviously we're, we're an on t- online retailer. We sell a lot of products. We've talked about selling body armor before, and we've never really identified the right partners. So we're really excited um, not only for the educational opportunities, you know, for things like, like our podcast and things like that, but also just in terms of having a company we can do business with and, and whose products we can we can also stand behind, literally. Yeah. So, Russell, literally. just a big thank you to you and your team and, and you. for the good reception I had when I was out there, um, I guess it was last month in February. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jacob. Thank you, Riley. I appreciate you guys having me on, asking tons of questions. I, I mean, I could go on for days about this kind of stuff. So if you ever... If, if any of you viewers, listeners have more questions, feel free to, you know, ask you guys, ask me, um, you know, we love questions. So guys, go check it out. Citizenarmor.com. Just to kind of rehash it, because I know you, you may not have picked up on everything, but they have a lot of different packs, backpacks that are, have armor built in, uh, jackets, leather jackets, uh, briefcases, but also inserts. So you can buy inserts, little panels that you can put into your backpack, into your briefcase, into your laptop case into your purse you know whatever it might, your man pack you know whatever whatever it might be and then of course they have the the vests that we've talked about uh purses even so a good good growing product line of options out there and uh you know check it out and i'm super excited i i, I think i meant to talk about this during the show just to highlight it and give you a little bit of love on the product but i am super excited about your ready to go uh backpack uh, the RT, RTG backpack, it, folks, if you go to citizenarmor.com at the, at, in their menu across the top of the website, you'll see RTG backpack. Go check that out because that's flipping cool, Russell. Right. Uh, I, I mean, okay, so basically the concept is backpack worn on back, ballistic panels. I, you got a ballistic panel in the backpack itself, right? Yep. And you can grab a lanyard or a, or a uh, strap or whatever. And pull this up over your head and pull it down in front of you. And you've got instantly, like within a split second or two, yeah. you know, body armor front and back. Exactly. And awesome. uh, so with that specific product, we are still in the development phase. We kind of put it on there. We want to gauge interest. We want to know what people really want. Um, and so from the feedback we've gotten, we're splitting it up kind of into two different products. One that's kind of more the minimalist, uh, you know, front and back protection, kind of like the T-Shield versus, you know, a duty vest where you're going to get side protection. A little bit a little bit bulkier, but because you get more armor in there. Um, our, we've got a bunch of little features built into it. It's going to be really, you know, nice quality, um, good backpacks. We're trying to team up with quite a few different backpack manufacturers as well as make our own backpacks. That that's it's modular. We're gonna to try to make it so that we can slap different backpacks on the armor. Um, yeah. So, you know, if you you know next year's model comes out, you really want that backpack, you, you'd be able to um, switch it out, or you, yeah. you know, you you carry your tech a little bit more gray man. So, uh, you, you, we're gonna to try to make it so that that we could do that. It's awesome, dude. Now you get me even more excited. Modular. <laughs> Swap out backpacks. I'm a photographer. Like yeah. I sometimes carry around photography gear. Maybe you can have a photography version. I, I dabble in photos too. So I think I would, uh, I would, I would go for one of those as well. <laughs> nice. And over dude. time, I mean, obviously we can't come out with all of it at the beginning, but over time we'll be coming out with different versions and other backpacks. And I think it's going to be a really cool product line. Great. Well, once again, guys, uh, thank you, everybody. And uh, thanks to Citizen Armor, citizenarmor.com. Go check them out, guys. And so with that, we are going to sign off. And just a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care, everyone. reminder that laws vary from place to place and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws the concealed carry podcast concealed carry inc concealed and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm related incidents and laws but things can be different where you live or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this we cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast